Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Wonderful to be in the house of God, but even more wonderful to be in the presence of God. Amen. In the presence of the Lord, the living, one true living God. I want you to, if you would, to open with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 3, we're just going to read one, one verse this morning as we get, as we get started. 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, Paul says this to the church. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. It's an interesting verse there, but it's speaking about the life of the believer. It's speaking about our testimony. It's speaking about who and what we are, among other things, as Christians, born-again men, born-again women. uh, We are manifestly, the Bible says, declared to be the epistles of Christ. Epistles of Christ. We're declared to be that. And that, that word epistle means a written message. All these little letters of Paul and all towards the end of the Bible, after the Gospels, these are epistles, right? There's an epistle to the church at Rome. There's an epistle to the church at Philippi and so forth. And we're reading here in 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> an epistle is a written message, but a, an epistle also is a communication. It's a communication, and I think that would make more sense and fit when we're talking about we are. As saved men and women and young people, we're manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, the communication of Christ. And what does it mean that we're manifestly declared to be that? It means that to render apparent, to render apparent. If something's sort of veiled or not perfectly clear or you're not sure, to pull the mask off, to pull the the, the curtain off to draw back the shades and let the light come in we're manifestly declared to be epistles or communications of God it means to render apparent to declare to appear to show self to show oneself or to show forth okay and almighty God who saved us he's the one that does this he declares us to be these epistles of Christ The Lord declares us to be that. The one who saved us by his grace when we believed upon his son has rendered apparent or showed forth that we are his. That we belong to him. That Christ is in us of a truth. He shows forth who who we are as his children and what we are for his glory. He knows them that are his. How many of you know that? We go to that scripture that the Lord knows. Nevertheless, the foundations of God stand sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from evil. And so God knows who belongs to him. We may get confused. I thought they were a Christian, and I'm not sure if they're a Christian. Or I sure didn't think they were a Christian, and we can't tell a lot of times, maybe. For the most part, we can, praise God. We should be able to tell, by the way. But the Lord's the one who makes no mistakes. The Lord knows them that are his, and he not only knows who belongs to him, he shows who belongs to him. 
the Lord will show forth who belongs to him. I just want to read this scripture. You don't need to turn there, but I'm reading from Hebrews 11, this wonderful chapter on faith. And it talks about the men and the women, Enoch and Joshua and Abraham and all those before us. And some we don't even know their names. But it says, but now they desire a better country that is a heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And I would say for us as well, right? That New Jerusalem is going to be up for, ours, for us to enjoy for all eternity. But the point of that scripture, I want us to read that God is not ashamed to be called their God. When we've given our life to Christ and we're in him and we live for the Lord, the Lord shows forth. He knows who belongs to him. He's not confused about it. We can make mistakes on who's a Christian, who's not a Christian. Truly in the church, who's truly born of the Spirit of God. He makes no mistakes. He knows who's in his Son. Amen. And he knows in whom the Holy Ghost lives and who's trusted in him. And he knows who we are and he shows forth who and what we are as being in Christ. And the Bible says in that scripture we read, 2 Corinthians 3, 3, he has declared us to be his. He's declared us to be living epistles of Christ. It is, a, we are a communication. Your life is a communication of Christ to the world around you. Your life is a communication of of Christ to the world around you. The world has the Bible. If they choose to read it or look at it, they can lay their hands on a Bible. The, the world has the Holy Spirit who is trying to, working to draw them to Christ where they'll be saved and give their life to the Lord. But the world has clear representatives and ambassadors. And the Lord shows himself apparent through those that are his. He knows who are his, and he shows who are his. Your life, even if you're a very quiet person, your life is a communication for the Lord. I would have to ask this morning, and myself as well, what am I communicating about Christ? We are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ. But what if, a, if an epistle is a communication, we're communications of Christ, what is my life communicating about the Lord. It says in that same scripture we read, how is, how is my life a, an epistle? It's not written with ink, and it's not written on tables of stone. It is written by the Spirit of God on fleshly tables of the heart. It's very personal. It's very personal. The Holy Ghost writes upon our hearts. We read it this morning in Sunday school. This is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord. I will write my laws in their hearts and put them in their minds. It's the communication <clears throat> of Christ in those that have trusted in him, trusted in him as Lord and Savior. And we're born again. And the Lord Spirit comes and resides in us and he writes the laws of God upon our heart. We don't look at a table of stone. We don't obey the Lord from outward uh, laws that everywhere we look up, there's the Ten Commandments again. We obey the Lord because we love him. If you love me, keep my commandments. Nonetheless, the laws, the moral laws of God are written upon our hearts. 
there is a perfect law of liberty. And he takes those laws and he says, if you want to walk in the liberty and not be brought into bondage of sin, here's my ways, walk in them. And we do it by the Spirit of the Lord. Where are those laws written? Well, we can go to the Bible and read the, what God requires and what's of God and what's not of God and how a man is to live. But we don't just get it from, from simply, as I said, an outward law imposed upon us. The laws of God are now in Christ <clears throat> written upon our hearts by the Spirit of God. Not with ink, but by the Spirit of God. Not on tables of stone, but on fleshly tables of the heart. Human beings' hearts that have trusted in the Lord. God writes his laws, and he puts them into our minds. Amen? By the Spirit of God. It is not meant, and he manifestly declares us to be his. That we belong to him. The Lord does that. You know, it's not made manifest to a world around us or even to the church that we are Christ and that we belong to the Lord simply because we say so. A lot of people can say so, right? You can say it just about anything you want and not necessarily be true. It's, it must be more, and it is more, than the fact that I just say I'm a Christian. I don't know if you run across the same, same thing. You probably do when you, in this society. I can't say everybody, but a majority of the people you would approach and say, hey, can I share the gospel with you? Hey, can I tell you about the Lord? Or I'm having a Bible study. I'd like you to come. Uh, are you a Christian? Almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody would say yes. I'm a Christian. It's, it's easy to say that. But you know good and well looking at the world around us, and maybe this individual you're talking to, you know them, and you know their life, and you've known them for the last 30 years. You know good and well they're not Christian. Everybody, talk can be cheap, right? We can say a lot of things. So it's not manifestly declared to be uh, by the Lord that you're a Christian because necessarily you say so, although we do say so. He manifestly declares us to be epistles of Christ written by his spirit on our hearts what are, what are we saying our life is different our life is different the Lord makes such a difference in our life by his life in us that that shows forth to people around us it shows forth to lost people it shows forth to your family it shows forth to people in the church that we see all the time in service God it's not just our talk it's not just that I say are you a Christian I'm a Christian there has to be some evidence of that in our lives. The Bible says we'll know them by their fruit. It is evident. It is evident. God makes it evident and apparent. The, God, the Lord who indwells us by his spirit. The Bible says we're sealed by the spirit. He shows himself through our lives. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, we're not going to turn there, but it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Well, back up and look at it for a second. We have, believers have, this treasure. It's something way more valuable than us. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God. We have this treasure, something valuable, the Lord, in, in earthen vessels. It's just these weak, frail, breaking down bodies. We have the Lord in us. We have the Lord in us. 
And, and the only thing special in that scenario is the treasure. Amen? We're just the vessel. We're just a vessel that said, I do to the Lord, and we meant it. We gave our life to Christ, and he comes in, and he makes us new. God shows himself to be real in the lives of his children. He shows himself to be present. The Lord shows himself to be real in his children, present in his children, and mighty in his children. He is able to do that. Christ in you declares you to be the epistle of Christ. It's not because you say, hey, I'm an epistle of Christ. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But what declares it so, what shows it forth and makes it apparent is Christ in you, not the fact that we say I'm a Christian. You understand that? It is the Lord showing himself. He makes himself manifest in our lives. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, you all know this scripture, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Can I say this to you? And I'm not seeking to hurt your feelings. I'm seeking to preach the truth in love. And I'll sit under the same uh, admonition as you're sitting under. If that, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If that is not your testimony, if that is not your experience, if that is not very real to you in a very real way, you are not his. Say, wait, you're, you, who do you to judge? I'm simply reading the scriptures. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If you're not a new creature, you're not in Christ. Because the Bible says so. If any man be in Christ, if that's not your experience, you are not born of his spirit. You may call yourself a Christian. You may attend church. You may associate yourself with Christian people and Christian things and even be attracted to it. But if that is not your experience, that you are not a new creature, then you are not born again. You're on the outside looking in. Let me read this verse to you. In Romans 8 and 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Listen, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. There's a lot of ifs in scripture. You know why it says, if so be the spirit of God dwell in you? Because there's a lot of people the spirit of God dwells in that are believers. And there are people that maybe have heard all this stuff, but the Holy Spirit does not dwell in them because they have not surrendered their lives to Christ by faith. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You know what he's saying? If any man does not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them personally, they don't belong to Jesus Christ. He is, they're none of his. He loves you. He wants you to be saved. Jesus died for you. You can be saved in the next breath when you, if you call upon the Lord, he's no respecter of persons. And if you thought for 50 years you were saved and realized today you're not, then hallelujah. You know why I say hallelujah? Because today is the day of salvation. And you can give your life to Christ today. If you grew up in a Christian home and you just thought you just sort of eased into this Christian thing, but you're not born again, then you're not born again. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian and standing in your garage doesn't make you a car. Okay, we have to be born again. You must be born again. If this is not your experience, if you are not new in Christ, a new creature, then you are not saved. You can be 
oh God, I pray you would be this morning. Now, here's what I'm not saying, and neither do the scriptures teach this. I'm not saying that upon salvation, upon that moment where you said, I do to the Lord, and you believed on Jesus Christ and asked him into your heart and to, and to be your Lord and Savior. I'm not saying that instantly upon surrendering to Christ that we are instantly perfected in, in every area of life. I'm not saying that we're instantly mature in the Lord. We're not. I'm not saying that upon salvation, in that moment of salvation, that we're instantly faultless in our behavior. We're not. I am saying that when someone's in Christ, even if they just got saved, just within the last second, that I am saying that we are fundamentally new and different. And that has to be your experience personally. The Holy Spirit comes to reside in us upon salvation at that very moment. And at that very moment, the Holy Spirit of God bears witness or record that you are and I am a child of God. We have an inner assurance. Before we'd have time to bear fruit, before we'd have time, we've had time to stop doing sinful things and start doing godly things, before we'd have, we've had time to study the Bible and learn it or to share the gospel with others, at that moment, we are new in Christ. And the Holy Spirit says you're new in Christ. And you have a witness within your own heart to where nobody has to tell you, you know it. I belong to the Lord. I'm new in Christ. That's the experience I'm talking about. And if this is not your experience, it can be. And I would say it must be. Jesus said, you must be. Foundationally and fundamentally, we're new in Christ. And he gives us new life. What life is it? It's his life. Well, I was already living. Yeah, but we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And he quickened us. So whatever age you are, when you gave your life to Jesus, that's when you got born again. That's when you receive new life, not just any new life, his life. It's the life of Jesus Christ in us. And it is for all, and it's for all those that give themselves to him and believe on him. We are not the same man or woman that we were before. This is very, very important. If you're going to be a living epistle and God declares you to be, he can't declare a lost person to be a living epistle. He can't declare a mere churchgoer and a member of the youth group and a, maybe even a Sunday school teacher. Lord, I pray not. But he can't declare that individual to be, manifestly declare them to be a child of God, an epistle of the Lord. We have to be born again. Is that your experience this morning? It must be. It must be. We're not the same man or woman that we were before giving our lives to Christ. It is impossible for an individual to be born of the Spirit of God and yet remain the same. I'll say it again. It's impossible, a young person, man or woman, to be born of the Spirit of Almighty God, born again, new life divine in Christ, and to remain unchanged. Cannot happen. Forgiveness of sins, a heart for God, a love for the brethren, a disdain for sin, a disdain for the things of the world, an understanding of God's word and spiritual things, 
a conviction of our own sin, an attitude of thanksgiving. These are some characteristics of that new life. Not perfected yet, but very present. Does that make sense? Not perfected yet, not completed yet, but without question, very present. A love for God, a love for the people of God, a love for His Word. Is my love for the Word as strong as it should be? No. Is my love for others as strong as it should be? No. Uh, is my uh, hatred for the world and, the, and sin in the world as strong as it should be? No. Not perfected, but is it present? Yes. Amen. That's what we're talking about. You cannot be born of God's Spirit and remain unchanged. We will be. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That must be our experience. Not perfected instantly, but present. We may still have a long way to go. Raise your hand if you've got a long way to go in Jesus. Okay, I do. We may be up and down in our Christianity. Are you up and down sometimes in your Christianity? You trust God to move mountains, and by that evening, you doubt and you wonder uh, if, you, if you're even saved sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? You doubt if you're going to be able to pay the, the rent this week. Um, we're up and down. We're up and down. Prayerfully, you ever seen a pie graph, uh, one of these, these uh, lines, not a pie graph, a chart that would show, uh, say, the economy or whatever over the last 50 years? And they show it going up, and it's got peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys. But that whole thing overall pretty much is going up. If you started here and went to where we are now, okay, peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys, but the peaks and valleys are still going upward. That's kind of how I like in my life in Jesus sometimes. We have peaks and valleys, but you ought to be able to look, look back over the last year, two years, five years, and say, I've had ups and downs, but overall, the Lord's brought me. I don't, I don't commit this sin like I used to. I don't worry and fret over this, these things like I used to. I didn't have any kind of knowledge of the Word of God like I do now. I couldn't share the gospel with people, and now, even though I still get scared and my palms sweat, uh, I've started sharing the gospel with people. What is that? That's growth in the Lord. But even way back here, you were a new creature in Christ. You had to be, or you wouldn't be making any progress today. You would still be flatlined where you were, outside looking in. And so I thank God for that. We're not perfected, but we are up and down, up and down, but he's moving us upward and onward. He has made us new in Christ, and we are new in Christ. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is another familiar passage that is so wonderful, I tend to go to it a lot. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Read this with me. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And so the word of God is just telling us, first of all, don't deceive your own selves. This isn't really for anybody else. This is for you to read and look at it. These people 
that live th- in this lifestyle and that are that, okay? And I think that's the key to it. They are that. They are a drunkard. They are an idolater. They are a fornicator. It says they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And there's a period there. But then he goes on to say, here's the good news, and such were some of you. So they were this, but now they're not that. It's not just we did those things. It's that we were that. I can't stress that enough. It's not just that somebody uh, was a reviler, an extortioner, and did some extortion, you know, and did, did these things. They were that. That's what they were and what we were. And he says, such were some of you. But what are we now? What are we now? But you're washed. But you're sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Does that sound familiar? Written not with ink and on tables of stone, but written in the fleshly hearts by the Spirit of Almighty God. Manifestly declared to be a communication for Christ. We were this, and since we were that, that's what we did. A drunkard went and got drunk. We were that. Okay, such were some of you. Well, the whole kingdom of God is made up with people that were that. We were that. But now I'm not that. Not only am I not that, I don't live that way anymore. How how did I stop? Willpower? No. Salvation. New life in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. Not perfected, but without question, new. He took me from being that, and he made me this over here. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. If that's not your experience, he doesn't say anything about being perfect and never committing another sin. He says that is who and what we are now in Christ. And if that's not your experience about being new in Christ, then you must be born again. You're on the outside looking in. We were that, and now we're new in Christ. Amen? We're fundamentally not what we were before. I want to read this scripture just uh, from 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. It's kind of a strange the way it's phrased there, but really what it's saying in 1 Corinthians 1.30 is God took his son Jesus... And besides making him the savior and the propitiation for the sin, sins of the world and so forth, when we give our life to Christ, he took Christ. He came to live in us by the Holy Ghost. The spirit of Christ lives in us. And he took his son Jesus and made him to me wisdom and redemption and righteousness and sanctification. He is that for me. He is that on my behalf. He is that in me. He is that to me and for me and through me. He is wisdom. He is righteousness, my righteousness. He is sanctification that sets me apart as belonging to the Lord. He has made unto me redemption. The Lord took his son Jesus. And again, if he's not present in your heart and in your life, then he can be. Indeed, he must be your Lord and Savior. That has to be a very real experience. 
we are new in his son and God Almighty declares us to be new in his son and we must allow the Lord to live and reign in us in such a way that he is seen and we're not. If I'm going to be manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ written by the spirit of God on my fleshly heart then I have to live in such a way by the grace of God and by the Spirit of the Lord and me yielding to the Lord in such a way that I represent him rightly before men. I must represent him rightly. You know, even the people, if the Bible says we're, we're manifestly showed for to be epistles of Christ, known and read of all men. Have you ever thought about that? You walk through life and you say, I'm just doing my deal. I'm just minding my own business and living my life and I'm a pretty quiet person. And I'm one of those wallflowers nobody even notices when I walk in the room. The Bible says that he declares us to be the sons of God, the, the epistles of Christ, the communication of Christ, known and read of all men. People that you don't even think notice you or watching you, I can tell you that they are. They are. They notice your life. If they come to know you and spend time with you and around you, they may not like you. They may love you. I don't know. But we are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, known and read, it says, of all men. People notice. Amen. Again, what kind of, what kind of letter or communication of Christ am I given? I want to bring this on. Uh, T. Austin Sparks made a quote, and I want you to stay with me on this. He says, Christ is never proved to be alive from the dead or to be Lord by doctrinal statements. I agree with this, but I want to agree with it and clarify it, okay? Christ is never proved to be alive from the dead or to be Lord by doctrinal statements. Our doctrinal statements have to be biblical. Our doctrinal statements are necessary. They must be correct and right and believed upon. But if you're going to prove to a lost world out there that Christ is alive today from the dead and that he is Lord today, we cannot simply hand them our doctrinal statement and walk away. That in and of itself doesn't prove Christ to be alive from the dead because somebody else has a different doctrinal statement somebody else has a different doctrinal statement in a different religion well they have their own whole different set of beliefs of what they believe what proves christ to be alive from the dead and lord i mean lord right now today and coming king is the the fact of christ in you the hope of glory the fact that he lives and reigns in me i'll read this from Acts chapter 1 at the beginning of that epistle, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, speaking about Christ, he wasn't just alive from the dead, he was alive from the dead and showed himself alive from the dead. You understand what I'm saying? We have a doctrinal statement that says we, that we believe he suffered on the cross for our sins and rose again. That, that doctrinal statement is necessary. It's the word of God, Okay. And we believe that. We must believe that. We talked about that in Sunday school. But by itself, is the Lord has gone so much further. He, he showed himself alive after his passion or after his death on the cross by many infallible proofs. So what, what are we saying? 
Christ was alive from the dead, and he showed himself for two human beings to be lost and saved. He showed himself to be alive from the dead by many infallible proofs. And this is what Sparks is talking about here. Again, our doctrine, our doctrinal statements are important. You know how I preach on the word of God, okay? Our doctrinal statements must be correct. They must be biblical. They must be believed upon. But in and of themselves, that's not enough to convince a lost world of sin and that Christ is Lord of all and that he's alive today and that they're accountable to him. The Holy Spirit was given. When he comes, he will reprove the, or convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Ghost will do that. Will he use the word of God? Absolutely. Will he use your life and my life, those that know him? Absolutely. Someone going to be the... Maybe the only, pray not the only, but sometimes the only Bible someone will ever read. I know you've heard that before, your life. Then we can bring them to the Lord, bring them to the Bible, amen, for themselves. How then are you going to prove that Christ lives today and that he alone is Lord? Let me tell you how the Lord does it. A very real, present, living Holy Ghost comes alongside, and he's going to come alongside when we go out Friday night to the state fair. He's going to come alongside. Hallelujah, he is, or I don't want to go. Okay? He's going to come alongside, and he's going to take that word that we preach, and he's going to convict. Are they going to be saved? Some may. Some may not. Some may think about it. Whatever. That's on them. Okay? But the Holy Spirit's going to come alongside you and me, and the word of God, and he's going to work with us. And he is going to bring that conviction of sin and of righteousness and judgment. He's going to come alongside. You know what he's going to say to that person that's listening to us? The Holy Ghost is going to say to them, yep, yes, amen. What he's telling you, what that lady's telling you from Cornerstone is true. That's what the Holy Ghost is going to do. This is what you need. This is what I've been trying to tell you. Listen to what they're saying. The Holy Ghost is going to do that. And people can blow that off. They can shove that under the rug and go on to the fair and forget about it. But nonetheless, the Holy Spirit is going to be with us, working. And we must have him working with us. We're not trained robots. We're not trained parrots who can quote John 3.16. We're born again. We're living epistles. We ourselves are declaring him to be with words, and we're declaring him to be with our lives. Even if they just met us, our life is declaring it to be so. We are known and read of all men. God manifest the risen life that we preach. This is one reason the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important, y'all. Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He didn't say you received the gospel. He didn't say you received the correct message to go preach. They already had that. What they didn't have was power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to who? To men? No. You'll be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. How can I be a witness into Christ? It's Christ in me. Back unto the Lord, being a witness. 
And when I go out and share this gospel, Christ in me, that same Holy Spirit, is declaring me to be in the truth, of the truth, speaking the truth, preaching the truth, living the truth, because the spirit of truth lives in us. It's, it's necessary. The manifestation of this risen life, a manifestation of this truth. One more scripture I want you to read with me. Well, maybe two more, but 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians 2.14. We're going to be bringing this to a close. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. The savor is the fragrance or the odor. But who is doing this? The Lord does it. The Lord always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus, even though you don't feel very victorious at some moments. He always causes us to triumph in Christ. And he makes manifest or declares it to be us to be the Savior or the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. That, that just in a nutshell says wherever we go, that the Lord makes himself known and the knowledge of God known through us wherever we go. You know that early church when they were persecuted and Saul of Tarsus was the ringleader of the persecution. The church was scattered because they were being stomped on like you stomp on coals in a fire. And the early church was being stomped on and persecuted and imprisoned and threatened and beaten. And, and, and so they're being scattered. And everywhere they went, what did the Bible say in, in Acts chapter 8? Everywhere they went, they went preaching the gospel. And they made manifest the knowledge of the Lord by them, by themselves. Not just saying, here's the Bible, read it. Here's our doctrinal statement. Come back when you believe it. God can save somebody like that, but he does more than that. He manifestly declares himself through us and manifests that fragrance of Christ by us in every place that we go. It's so important, y'all. We proclaim... We preach and proclaim Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with power. Jesus, it says in Romans, was declared to be the Son of God with power. So we declare that, and guess what? He lives in us with power. We declare him to be, we proclaim forgiveness of sins, and, and we're a living testimony of someone who's been forgiven of all my sins. Hallelujah. All my sins have been washed away. Every last one of them, even the ones I committed yesterday to this morning, they're washed away. So we preach forgiveness of sins, and we, we're living testimony <clears throat> of a man or woman that has been washed in the blood of Jesus and forgiven. We preach deliverance of sin's power, and we manifest or live a life which has been freed up to live free from sin. We proclaim liberty to the captives, and we live free indeed in Christ. We preach a God of love, and guess what? Not perfectly, but we preach a God of love, and we love God and men with love unfeigned. True love, sincere love. His love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. 1 John four seventeen says, For as he is, so are we in this world. As he is right now today, so are we right now today in this world. He lives through us. He manifests himself in and through us. 
Our statement of beliefs must include the fact that Jesus died and rose again, ascended on high, according to the scriptures, and we believe it. But he's also given you and me. I'm bringing this to a close. He's also given his word, and he's given you and me to be those living epistles of Christ, a communication of Christ written by the Spirit of Almighty God. You didn't write it. Your pastor didn't write it. The Holy Ghost wrote it upon your heart. He's mine. He's, she's mine. And here's the evidence, and here's the fruit, and here's my Holy Ghost in them, and here's the new life of Christ in them. One more quote I wanted to read. A proof that Jesus has conquered death is a death-conquering life manifest in you. A proof that Jesus has conquered death, which he has, and his word says so, and we believe it. But a proof of that, that he's conquered death, is a death-conquering life, the life of Christ in you, manifest in you and manifest in me. Our new life and our changed life and our new life in Christ is to be the embodiment the embodiment of what we preach. I shouldn't preach one correct doctrine. I should preach correct doctrine, but I shouldn't preach one doctrine that is not embodied in my life. The Lord's omnipotent, omniscient, whatever it may be, I shouldn't preach one thing that is not manifestly declared to be so and saying amen in my heart and coming back out of me in reality by the Spirit of God in me. You understand what I'm saying? Here's, here's this doctrine, believe it, but, but I, don't, I don't really believe or I haven't noticed it in my own life, whatever. We need to preach it, we need to believe it, and we need to be that. We need to be the embodiment of Christ. And I know he's always the Lord, okay? But you understand, as he is, so are we in this world. Do you come on up. Y'all turn with me one more passage in Acts chapter 8. To me, this goes along with, with these living epistles, okay? Living epistles. Epistles of Christ, known and read of all men. We talked about the persecution of the church in Saul's day. And that's how this chapter opens. Saul was breathing out threatenings and great persecution was at the church in Jerusalem. And let's skip down to verse 6. I mean, verse 5. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Can we just quote it from Acts chapter 1? You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, here's Philip going to Samaria to preach Christ. Verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Okay, that's the words. That's the words of power. And the people with one accord gave heed. So they had never heard the gospel before. They were lost. They were in their sin. There's a lot of witchcraft and stuff like this in this town. We don't have time to read it all. But he preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So as he spoke of a God of miracles... He evidently preached, yes, he died and rose again. 
He, he is not possible that death could hold him. He can raise the dead today. He can heal the sick. He can open blinded eyes. He can give the gift of eternal life. And as he preached Christ to them, the people listened. But it says they gave heed when they saw and heard the miracles which he did. So that same Holy Ghost power that he spoke of, that same risen Christ who's alive today and in Samaria today and ready to save you uh, today, he's in me. And they saw, they saw a manifestation. There was a fragrance of Christ through Philip. And that's what did it for them, so to speak. The truth, they had to have the truth. But they needed to see that, seeing and hearing the miracles that changed life, that changed life. He's alive today, amen? We are the epistles of Christ. Y'all stand with me.